0: Happy Thursday, Internet. You're listening to Locked On Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name's Sarah. I'm your host. And we're here and we're enduring uh, the lack of hockey and the lack of news and I guess the lack of social contact. Like, I'll be honest, I'm like the biggest introvert and the last person on earth to want to be like, ah, yes, let's go out and cavort with other humans. And so I said the other day that like, if this weren't happening because of a global pandemic and, you know, all the associated awful things with that, like, I'm kind of having the time of my life except for that. But I don't have to, like, make up excuses as to why I don't want to go hang out at a bar or something. I'm, like, secretly an old lady. I just want to stay in with my cats and knit, I guess. This has not been hard on me at all. And I feel a little bad and weird about that, honestly. But it's been Nice to be able to be there for my friends, who I know are much more extroverted than I am and much more in need of wanting to constantly connect, so you know, have to suck it up a little bit and have a lot more phone calls than I'm used to and a lot more Zoom conferences than I used to. But, you know, it's all part of being there for each other and being able to support the people in your lives the best you can. And one way that I'm supporting you guys out there is by being the king's voice in your ear as we go through this time, all because I'm enjoying sitting up on my couch, wrapped up in blankets, and not having to have contact with another human being, uh, doesn't mean that like anyone else is enjoying that. So I am super glad to be able to at least provide a little bit of connection between me and you as we uh, go through all this on today's show. I've got my second part of my conversation with Mike Camito, where we talk about some of his favorite King's moments a dream story that he'd love to write, and we talk a little bit about Arthur Kaliev, everyone's favorite goal scorer. That is coming up in today's show. First, I want to give you the latest news that's come out of the league. And the big news is the dominoes are slowly falling for summer activities for hockey. Uh, The league has postponed the scouting combine, the NHL awards, and the NHL draft. All three of those events will not be taking place as scheduled. There are no further details in regards to location. Uh, This combine was to be held in Buffalo, where it usually is the awards in Vegas and the draft in Montreal. Nothing has been released about uh, new locations, new timing, new dates. New format is something particularly that they mentioned that I Found interesting in regards to the draft. They said the location, timing, and format of the 2020 NHL draft will be announced when details are finalized. So I think that they're, you know, going to have to look at how to do it if, for example, there is no more hockey. If we don't award a Stanley Cup winner and we don't play any more games, don't have any playoffs, uh, they'll have to figure out how they want to do the seating for that. I mean, the most logical way is all the lottery teams are still lottery teams. And then your final four are your division leaders and your president's trophy winner. I think there's a logical way to order the draft, even if we have no more hockey. What I think will be interesting is so many draft picks now have conditions on them. If a team makes the playoff, if a team wins the Stanley Cup, whatever, it will be interesting to see how they manage those conditions. Um the simplest thing is just to say, well, the Maple Leafs didn't make the playoffs, or the Sharks didn't win the Stanley Cup, or whatever, and therefore that condition is invalid because it didn't happen. But of course, someone on the other side, and you can tell I work with lawyers, someone else on the other side would say like, well, it was impossible to meet that condition because no one won the Stanley Cup. Like people are going to argue this either way. So that's a like nitty gritty detail that I will be interested to see how it works out. But At the end of the day, no Combine, no awards, no draft for now. Obviously, the draft has to happen. Obviously, the Combine probably should happen. They might be able to do it virtually. I don't know. The draft has to be rescheduled in some way. Uh, The awards, I could see them being like, you know what? We're not just going to do it this year. That would kind of stank for people who should be recognized for the work they did. I think awards rightfully should be pretty low on the priority list of the NHL when they're figuring out how to navigate this new normal world that we are living in. So more updates as they come. The draft, of course, is going to be very important for the Kings because there's a chance that yet again they could not get the first <laughs> the first pick in the lottery. You know, unless they find some other completely bonkers way to do the draft this year, uh, the Kings are still guaranteed a pretty good draft pick out of it. So while we may not end up with Lafreniere or uh, Byfield, we're still going to end up with a pretty good player. So watching the draft, of course, is going to be pretty important for Kings fans. I think once we have a better idea of what's happening with the draft, I might start to try to dig into some players that we might want to uh, consider drafting. Uh, But I, I think all that's a little premature if we don't even know when the draft is going to be or how it's going to work. So more information to come on that. The only other Kings thing that popped out recently was Elliot Friedman in his 31 Thoughts column talked to players from most teams uh, just to kind of catch up and see how they're doing and see what's going on. And he talked with Andrzej Kopitar, who focused on the youth of the team and players that he thinks are taking a big step forward. And so, you know, I think it's A good sign if the captain of your team, Anshay Kopitar, the best guy on the team, recognizes you for for your play. And so the two guys that he specifically cited were Alex Ayafalo and Matt Roy, uh, both of whom are guys that we've talked about a lot on this show. I feel like Ayafalo is finally coming into his stride as a player after a couple of years of everyone being like, why is he on the top line? He doesn't do anything. Um, He's finally putting the whole game together. Playing a lot more consistently. He was close to doubling his career points high this year until, uh, you know, we stopped playing hockey. But he really looked like he took his game to a different level this year. And uh, Kopitar recognized that. Matt Roy Kopitar pointed out the fact that Roy is in the plus minus column. He is a plus, which for a defenseman on a bad team is pretty good and he Roy has also really improved his stats in terms of possession in terms of you know being on the ice for shots for versus shots against and while he's not particularly uh, going to be an offensive defenseman he is really developing his defensive game and is the kind of good depth guy that you want to have on your blue line And I think that he just noticeably, even this season, from the beginning of the season to now, has really improved and really found his way in the NHL. So great to see both of them getting recognized by Ange Kopitar when he talked to Elliot Friedman. So coming up next on the show, I have the second part of my interview with Mike Camido. Uh, If you missed yesterday's show, do yourself a favor and go back and tune into that. Mike is a writer for LAKings.com. He's also the author of the book Hockey 365, which has 365 stories about hockey. Uh, He has served as team historian for the Sudbury Wolves and was gracious enough to spend a little bit of time this week chatting with me about how he got to be a writer for the Kings and some of his favorite memories and, you know, Kings things. His latest piece is up right now on LAKings.com, published the other day, uh, where he talked to Randy Holt about his 67 penalty minutes. It set an NHL record back in 1979, 67 penalty minutes in one game, uh, including three game misconducts. That is Mike's latest piece on the Kings website. Uh, He really gets to delve a lot into some pretty neat King's history and stuff that like might be forgotten if he's not out there digging into it. So coming up right now on the show, the second part of my interview with Mike Camito, writer for LAKings.com. Is there a story that you want to tell that's like your dream story that either you just haven't been able to tell yet, or maybe you can't tell because it would involve like interviewing someone who isn't alive anymore or, or something like that. What's the what's your what's your dream piece to write?
1: Ooh, that's a great question. Um, to be honest, like for for a long time, my dream was to interview Wayne Gretzky. So, um, like after we did that story, people have asked me like who who do you want to interview now, right? And I mean, like I, I think of other players, you know, players I didn't get to watch, but players I think who loom large for me, you know, Bobby Orr is one that I've always kind of you know been fixated on. You know, obviously, didn't get the chance to see him play. I wasn't alive, uh, you know, during any of his playing years. But I, he's a he's a figure. Um, that I've kind of gravitated towards. I've read a lot of stories about him and obviously, you know, his career being cut short by injuries and to kind of think of what would have happened if he would have been able to, you know, battle through, not battle through those knee injuries, but if he didn't have those knee injuries or, if, you know, he played in an era where, you know, medical technology had advanced and he was able to get a different type of procedure that maybe wouldn't have taken its toll on its joint, his joints. So, I mean, that's, that's another one. But I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, like, like as much as Bobby Orr was a game changer in the history of the sport, um, you know, for me, for me personally, uh, you know, Wayne Gretzky still, still going to be at the top. So as, as far as my dream story, when it comes to the Kings, um, I'd have to think on that a bit because after kind of doing that Gretzky story last year, like that was really, you're just always kind of searching for what would be the, what would be a highlight for you. Right. And then, you know, you, you interview your idol, um, and then you're like, okay, well now what's next. Right. And I mean, I've had the chance to do a lot of stories since then. Um, and I don't think they're any less important than the Wayne Gretzky one, but ultimately it's just, um, I I would say one of the stories that I do kind of want to do at some point though is uh, I am fascinated by the the amateur uh, hockey that happened in California you know in the pre-war era so back in the 20s uh, in the 30s there was a club called the Hollywood Wolves so I'd love to kind of do a deep dive on the history of the Hollywood Wolves uh, and what it was like playing hockey in Los Angeles you know back in the 30s and then some of these later iterations in the 40s and 50s um, before the NHL came along so I think that would be a cool one. I'm kind of getting into that a little bit right now, just obviously with no hockey on. There's a lot of there's a lot more time to start to dig into some of these fashion projects, and maybe I'll be able to develop that uh, over the summer. But hopefully, uh, there'll be other things going on at that point, and you know I can kind of just put that on the back burner.
0: That's really awesome. I would I would love to read that if it ever comes into existence. I think that's something I never you know never really thought of is. You know, I know that there was obviously, you know, the hockey that Willie replayed played and stuff back back mm-hmm. in the day, but pre-war is even even neater to read about. So I, I selfishly hope that that gets to become a thing.
1: So I'll, I'll keep you posted. I'd I'd love to make it a reality. So it's, it's definitely <laughs> awesome. it's definitely on my list.
0: Awesome. Uh, so in terms of the Kings, you've been writing about them for several years now. Do you have a favorite Kings memory, uh, favorite game or favorite moment, um, other than the Stanley Cup, because I feel like that's the one that everyone gravitates towards, uh, but favorite, favorite Kings moment of, of your uh, career writing or just Kings in general?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question. I mean, ultimately, like, admittedly, I've, 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 I think I've acknowledged many, many a time on Twitter that you know I was born a Leafs fan and I still am a Leafs fan, although like I am increasingly becoming more and more of a Kings fan uh, just because of my relationship with the team. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't necessarily have the fan perspective where some of these moments would I think resonate with me. That in the way that they would with, with true fans of the club. But ultimately for me, um, I think back to the 2014 playoffs and obviously that is, that is a Stanley cup year. So I'm not going to say, you know, that second Stanley cup, but ultimately um, you know, that was this you know, the, and I don't think of the Stanley cup when I think of 2014, I think about that playoff series that, that conference final series against the Blackhawks, right? I mean, that was arguably one of the best playoff series, you know, I've ever seen in my lifetime. Um, and I think you can make the case that it was, you know, one of the best playoff series ever, Um, particularly that game five with that double overtime. I mean, there was, I I forget how many minutes, but there was almost like a good 10 minutes where there were no whistles. It was just end to end, Um, you know, at any moment the game could end, but it just kept going back and forth. Um, You know, uh, Quenville on the Blackhawks said that, you know, if he hadn't been on the bench that game, it probably would have been one of the best overtimes he'd ever seen. I think being in the middle of it probably took a little of the fun out of it. Uh, for For those that are invested in the outcome of that game, Uh, And then the fact that that went to game seven, you know, the Kings won in Chicago and then went on to win the Stanley cup. I mean, for me, like just as a hockey fan in general, I think that series against the Blackhawks kind of ranks up there for some of my all time, you know, favorite playoff hockey moments. Um, I mean, selfishly, I also had, Marion Gabrick in a playoff pool that year, and so while I didn't win the playoff pool that year, I was definitely invested in in what he was doing and what the Kings were doing because, um, you know that was I was kind of hoping that he would help me win some money. We didn't win some money, but we didn't lose a lot of money that year, uh, so that was good. So I mean, that's that's the one I kind of think about where you know even before I'd even considered, um, you know, writing for for the Kings at that time, you know, that was still something for me where all these years later you think about you know, those moments and how they kind of all tie together. I mean, otherwise, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I, I think of the Kings because of Wayne Gretzky. Um, I think of Dave Taylor as well. My dad grew up in a small town, you know, just 45 minutes North of, of Sudbury called the Le- Onaping, uh, which is right next door to another town called Levac, And that's where Dave Taylor's from is from Levac, And so I kind of grew up hearing about Dave Taylor, this guy who came from this little small town in the middle of nowhere you know, who went on to become one of the best players in King's history. And, you know, I got the chance to meet him in 1992 when I was, you know, at that point I would have been seven years old. So he was probably the first hockey player I ever met. And so because of that, you know, I I kind of viewed him uh, in this light that he was this like larger than life figure. Right. And so I think when I was collecting hockey cards at that age, you know, as much as I was obviously like looking to build up my Maple Leafs collection, I was looking for those Dave Taylor cards and those Wayne Gretzky cards because, you know, I had this, uh, you know, this affinity for the Kings, which I think a lot of, you know, kids growing up in the nineties did just because of what Gretzky did to the club, right? When he came over to LA, it just kind of exploded in the new uniforms of the black and white. Everybody wanted to have those when they were a kid. So I mean, I have those kind of memories, but ultimately now I think, you know, that that playoff series in two thousand fourteen. And I mean, even I think this year, you know, obviously it's hard when when the team is going through a bit of a transition, but it was really cool to see Gabe Valari come in and make his NHL debut, obviously, you know, you know, after being drafted in 2017, you know, battling back uh, battling back issues. For him to come in and finally make his NHL debut, and, you know, there was no disappointment, you know, 10 seconds in, he scores, sets an NHL record. So, I mean, that was kind of one of the high points, I think, in the season, just to kind of see you know, that flash of what the future will hold. So, it was really cool to see things like that.
0: Man, in that game, I was just like, I was just hoping that he would be fine and I was like I don't care if he plays six minutes and looks boring like I just want him to play an NHL game and like that'll be great and then of course he comes out there and scores and just looks like he belongs for every second that's been really cool to see even even at the AHL level watching him this year and getting to see how hard he worked to get back on the ice and to be able to play at a professional level when we were all wondering if he'd ever play again. Uh, that has, that was definitely, if you asked me to pick a highlight from this year, uh, that's probably where I would have gone to.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of people just given the the path he'd had to take to get here that, you know, like, like you said, we're just kind of hoping that, you know, he would have, he would have a, you know, a, a decent game by any standard, but ultimately the fact that he went in and did what he did, I think just kind of made it that much more special given, you know, everything he endured up to this point. And I, I, I will say that obviously sometimes, you know, Uh, most of those Kings games are well past my bedtime because of the time change. So I'll try to catch them, you know, by other means, uh, if I, if I can PVR them, but that was one of those games where I definitely stayed up, uh, a little bit later that night just because there was that buildup. And again, to kind of have an NHL debut happen, you know, in a season that was otherwise kind of, uh, you know, not going the way that, you know, we'd want it to go, but also recognizing that there was really no, no other way it would go given where the team was kind of going.
0: So as someone who writes about the Kings, and as you said, uh, follows the Leafs, what were your feelings on the uh, the trade that sent Cal Clifford and Jack Campbell up there?
1: I, I really liked it. I mean, I think, um, you know, given Kyle Dubas's relationship with Clifford previously, you know, as, as his agent, um, and then even Jack Campbell was a player that I think when Dubas became the Greyhounds GM, that was the first move that he had made was to acquire Jack Campbell. Um, you kind of heard not necessarily rumblings about Jack Campbell, but Clifford was a player that. You kind of heard Dubas had interest in, obviously, um, I think he was the type of player that the Leafs were looking for, Someone that can bring some of that, uh, that sandpaper, some of that grit to the lineup that the team kind of lost uh, a little bit last year when they traded Kadri to the, to the Avalanche. But, but again, Clifford's still a player who can contribute, right? So I think that, you know, given, I think all the intangibles he had, but also he's, he still has some great underlying numbers and still can perform in that, you know, that third, fourth line role. I was excited about it for sure, and so I think it was it was a, it was a great trade. It seems like Jack Campbell's really fit in with the team as well. You know, the, I think anytime you go on Twitter um, when the team was playing, there was always I think some positive story. Or somebody was gushing about Jack Campbell and and how he had ingratiated himself to the his teammates, and you know how he just seemed to be the you know one of the most likable guys in the room. So I was I was definitely happy about it. It's always kind of cool too, especially when given my personal interest in the Leafs and my professional interest in the Kings when those two worlds kind of collide. It's always fun.
0: I love it. So I I write about the Chicago Wolves, uh, the Vegas's for now AHL affiliate. And so Mm -hmm. when they made the Alec Martinez trade, they weren't quite sure yet what was coming back in the other direction. And I was like, this is my time to shine. Like, I know all their prospects. I know their AHL guys. And then it wasn't, there wasn't anything. So all that, all that knowledge, all those years of uh, covering that team. And I I had nothing, nothing for them. (laughs) So we will end things today on a little bit of of a high note, uh, looking towards the future, we already kind of talked a little bit about Gabe Villardi, but I wanted to talk about a player who I know you have kept really close tabs on this season. If anyone goes to your Twitter feed, they can see a tweet uh, thread of all of Arthur Kaliev's goals from this season. So having been able to at least watch all of his goals and his highlights uh, from the season, what, what kind of player are the Kings getting? What do they have to look forward to from him?
1: Well, I think, I mean, obviously, a, just a goal-scoring machine is, is kind of one way to describe Kaliev. I had the opportunity to, you know, to kind of obviously watch a lot of his games in the OHL this year. I mean, also, one of this was one of the few advantages of being a Sudbury-based LA Kings writer is that uh, we have a junior team here in Sudbury, the Sudbury Wolves. And so, um, you know, the, the, the Bulldogs came through town a couple times this year. So I got to, you know, see some games in person, uh, you know, talk to Arthur once, but also just kind of, I think, watching, you know, all of his highlights over the years. I mean, the, the first thing everyone always points to is his, his, his incredible shot. Like, he has such a quick release. Uh, it's almost a Ovechkin-like where he kind of sets himself up on his offside, um, you know, in the face-off circle and just rips them from there, right? It's and, and the funny thing for me was as I was kind of watching, you know, him go through this year and I was, I was making gifts for all of his goals, right? And he scored 44 this year. So I was at it. You know, pretty much every other night when he was playing, you know, when he wasn't away at World Juniors um, or things like that, uh, and you just kind of start to see that. You know, despite the fact that like he has that that uh, that particular area dialed in, you know, teams would still give him tons of open space in that area, and it just seemed like as if people hadn't realized that you can't do that with, with Callier, right? And I mean, you almost still see that in the NHL with Ovechkin, where you know, despite the fact that you know we know where where he's going to be coming from and where he's going to be shooting from. You know, the teams either just obviously don't realize at this point, or I think they just they know that they can't really stop it, right? He's gonna find a way to score. Um and that's kind of what I felt was what Kali was doing this year, right? And I mean, as much as people I think, you know, prior to the draft in 2019, you know, there were some some uh, I guess some commentary about his game that he was, you know, one dimensional player and that his shot was really the I think the kind of uh you know, the high like the the biggest uh asset that he had. But watching him over the year, I, I I don't think that that's true. I think, uh, you know, for the most part, he definitely had a lot of those highlight reel goals, you know, from the circle. But that certainly wasn't the only tool that he had uh, in, his, in his utility belt. And ultimately, he had a lot of assists. You know, again, I think when you're playing with a player with that much talent, he's going to make his teammates better. Uh, but it, like there were nights when he had, you know, I, there was, I think, at least a few nights where he had five assists in a, in a game. Right. And so, I mean. This is a player who's obviously not just only able to just shoot the puck. He can set up plays. He can find teammates, get them open. You know, even his goals, you know, he wasn't always shooting from that same spot. So I think given, you know, everything that he has, and, and again, if his if his game translates to the NHL level, I think that that is going to be an exciting player to watch uh, develop in the Kings organization. I mean, it was kind of cool at the World Juniors. You kind of got a glimpse into what the future might look like, you know, playing for Team USA. Kalia was, was playing with Alex Turcott. And, you know, he scored a few goals in the tournament, happened to catch uh, Alex Turcotte on the Point Breakaway podcast with uh, with Josh Cooper and Shane O'Brien. And, you know, Turcotte had said that Cali was one of the best goal scorers he'd ever played with. So, you know, that's fun for Kings fans to think about, you know, what will happen when these two are hopefully playing you know for the Kings at the same time. Um, And to see Arthur Cali potentially score some pretty nice goals at the NHL level, I think, is something that we're all uh, hoping for
0: is good to hear. And I know that it's it's exactly where Kings fans won't want to focus is on the future and the guys coming down to the team uh, in the pipeline. So thanks for that insight. Thank you for breaking down your work on the Kings and your history in how you got to where you are. Uh, so for everyone out there who maybe doesn't already follow you on Twitter or know about you online, uh, where can people out there find you and your work?
1: Oh, and I'll just say thank you for having me. It was a great, great chatting with you, and hopefully, I can come back and at that point we can talk about the Hollywood Wolves and maybe there's a story there. But, uh, but for now, you can catch me on uh, on Twitter. That's where I post all my uh, all the King stuff. You can find me there. Uh, it's at Mike Comito uh, two Ms one T.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Thanks again to Mike for joining me today and yesterday. Like he said, make sure you go follow him on Twitter. He has lots of great hockey history tidbits that he puts out there every day. He's also been reading little clips from his book on Twitter. So you can go and get a little preview of his book, Hockey 365. That's it for today. Now that we're done here, make sure you go and tell your smart device to go play the latest episode of Locked on NHL. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Right Said Sarah or the show at Locked on NHL. LA Kings. I'd love to hear from you uh, about stuff that you are interested in hearing more of in this time where we have no hockey. Thanks for listening make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. If this is your first time listening to the show, or if you just never bothered to subscribe, go do that. Uh, Go whatever app you're listening in, find the subscribe button and hit it. And of course, tell all your friends all about it. If you've got a hockey fan in your life, a Kings fan in your life, make sure they know about this show and know that there is still hockey out there being talked about even though we're not playing it. Uh, We are here for you in this super heckin' weird time. So that's it. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this has been Locked on Los Angeles Kings